Welcome to season three of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, a podcast about the Bay Area, technology, and culture. I'm your host, Sunil Rajaraman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yasha Kekis-Wolf. This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley is brought to you by The Bold Italic. Hey, Sunil. Hey. How's it going over there across the table? Going just fine. Hey, have you ever met somebody in real life that you've only ever known online? I have um, a few times, and I got to say, like, you know, the internet, I believe, is a place where you can meet wonderful people, actually. That is like the most glowing, shiny, happy, sunshiny thing I've ever heard you say. These things don't always end well, right? They don't always end well, but today I'm especially positive because I met my Twitter idol, Mike Isaac, who's a New York Times reporter. Um, Not just a New York Times reporter, but what else? He's writing a book on Uber. On Uber, probably one of the most controversial and maybe most impactful technology companies in our lifetime. And, you know, what I really love about this interview is just how transparent, how accessible, and how how human Mike is. Yeah, maybe we get to learn a little bit about the anatomy of a leak from inside of a company. This is one of those that you don't want to miss. We really hope you enjoy our interview with Mike. Enjoy. Thanks for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Are you a San Francisco native? Uh, no, I was born in Florida, of all places, and then I grew up in Texas, and then I moved here in 2004. Uh, Florida to Texas to here. <laughs> Is, was there a point in your life, maybe in Florida, maybe in Texas where you grew up, where you were like, I have to be in San Francisco. I have to be in the Bay Area. Um, n- I mean, no. That's good. <laughs> but, no, that's good. but I, I mean, I'm glad I landed here. I got here because I did too many drugs in college and flunked out and then uh, found my way over here and my brother was here and uh, built my grades back up and, and went in, went to Berkeley and ended up like staying out here. But I had like zero plan. What what, uh, what kind of drugs? Yeah. And what school? <laughs> I mean, I went, okay, so I'm actually kind of proud of this. I went to Arizona State and uh-huh. flunked out of Arizona State, which I think is, I think they were number one party school in the country. So that was like an accomplishment. And then... Um, Sorry, I'm like warm. And then uh, this closet is tiny. No, 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 no. It's really tight. warm. It's all good. And then, um, uh, you know, just whatever, whatever was there. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, look, I gotta, no, I gotta don't start judge off. Me. Don't judge me. No, no judgment at all. <laughs> I just want to start off with a statement, if it's okay, and Ooh. just I want to declare that there is no better company at privacy in the world than Facebook. <laughs> Did you see me flip out about that? Today? So, so let's <laughs> let's 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 talk about this. So, you were a victim of the uh, the recent hack. Yeah, yeah, man. They, which uh, one, which recent hack? <laughs> the one that affected like thir- no fifty million people, mm-hmm. I think, or it was ninety, then fifty, and then. Uh, but one of Facebook's many hacks where people could have full access to your account and. By the way, we need you to to be direct line into the mic. Got it. Otherwise, Tyler is gonna Tyler's Tyler our sound guy is here. He's he's on top of it. He's gonna be mad. Yeah, I don't want to piss off Tyler. No. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, you yeah. are. Okay, great. <laughs> Look at him. He's getting up out of his chair like he's gonna come fight us. <laughs> Do you need me to get closer? <laughs> um, so you you were involved in one of the hacks. All of them? Some of them? One of them? No, just one. Just one. Um, this was a bad. I mean, this was. Um, also, like right in the middle of Facebook's prolonged uh, crises after crises, and they had uh, they had um, uh, the Cambridge Analytica stuff. I think the Times did some big story. It might have been before that, and then they released this info saying that there was this 
vulnerability that let essentially let hackers take over everything in your account. And they did that to me, and I have no idea what if they took over my account or whatever, but I probably would have noticed it by now. But um, uh, so yeah, that was fucked up. And now they have this, uh, they ha- they're on this privacy tour, like apology tour, and and this uh, marketing VP essentially said. Uh, Facebook is, or, or privacy is the foundation of Facebook, which I just found laughable. So you you cover <laughs> you cover Facebook, yeah. you cover you cover a lot. I'm, I'm one thing I'm really curious about is is just not speaking specifically about Facebook, but the companies you cover, Uber, et cetera. Yep. Tell me about leaks. Okay, so <laughs> employee leaks, right? So there's this whole phenomenon of you get these leaks. Are they increasing? How does a leak even work? Right, like. I mean, I'm not I don't out any sources, obviously, but but just tactically speaking, yeah. when someone leaks something to you, how does that even work? Um, I have found, you know, it's really funny. Historically, Facebook is not a leaky company. Um, they've actually had a really good reputation for being super tight. Um, it's hard to break in there. And I've written about them for probably like 10 years now. I started writing about them in 20. 10 20 2010 well that's back when everything was happy right no when facebook was still like cool when young youngs were on it when it wasn't just you know old guys like us (laughs) farting around and taking pics uh and uh uh so back in the day you sort of like bought into this cult of facebook everyone loved it and all the people that were there working there really liked it the thing that I noticed with companies, and I write, I wrote about about Uber last year during its insanity and downfall, is that leaks are just a symptom of bigger problems inside of the company. Mm-hmm. When people leak, when people talk to people like me, it's because they're usually unhappy or they have some sort of motivation to do so because they're trying to get some sort of result. I mean, that's one of the reasons. They're trying to get some sort of result. So... Facebook is having, um, if you just watch the news, like more leaks than they ever have probably in their history. And that's because people are just not happy and they're starting to really um, grapple with the idea that maybe things they're doing are not all good or maybe the um, the the company is not um, entirely a positive force for the world. Which I'm really curious about like the anatomy of a leak. Like what, how does that, how does it work? Like if I want, if Sunil, yeah. because Sunil is, Known for this kind of stuff. If you wanted to leak something, to you. I'm not known. I'm like not a known leaker. leaker? <laughs> Just for the record, I I only have done you know, startup companies, so you know I would be leaking on like a company of 14 people. So it's not. <laughs> it'd be I'm easy not, to would, find. It'd you. be very easy to identify me. <laughs> <laughs> be the guy in the trench coat in the basement. But like, what are, what are the mechanics of it? I, I think it's kind of fascinating. How does it actually go down? I mean, it's probably less sexy than you would imagine i don't look like robert redford in like all the president's men back in the day it's like it's not me in a trench coat in a basement it's more like i'm in my sweatpants at home texting <laughs> with someone <laughs> which is pretty much emblematic of my entire life but I, I think it's it's uh the way that i don't want to give too much away but i think it's just there's so many ways to get in touch with the reporters now and i think reporters are a lot more visible than they ever were before i think um the Times specifically, but then a lot of other reporters across different outlets just have this mandate to uh, brand themselves and be very out there. You guys talked to Kara Swisher before, and, and Kara is her own thing. My old boss is, is like very Kara, right? And people gravitate towards that. And I think um, uh, for the same reason you were interested in having me on to see if I'm like 
actually funny or just like a horrible sweating mess. Yeah. So, 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 you know, listeners need to understand that I've, I've idolized Mike on Twitter. Yeah. No, when we we started, we're now in our third season in the first season, he's like, someday we're going to be big enough. Where Mike's going to join. I'm not joking. That's not very kind. Here he is. Well, I'm, I'm just, and you're sitting this here in your sweats, texting people sweat. while we're talking. Not in a weird, cool. not in a weird stalkerish sort of way. Like I don't want you to get the wrong idea. I mean, it's fine. I I understand. You know, like that. I understand if you want to stalk me. I was in your apartment a little earlier. <laughs> but... I would like one or two at least. That's real fame. So uh, that's interesting though. But when we're talking about, like, it's just not a big deal. It's just not a thing. Like you're out there. People know who you are because yep. of the quality of the work that you put out, and so they're just like, mm, I'm gonna DM you. On Twitter, I think it can be. I think um, everyone. The funny thing is, like, some of my biggest stories have come from um, the most unlikely places. Um, and I think one of the things in journalism is that stories always lead to more stories. So, like, um, the way you start out, or the way I started out, is just uh, I used to write for Recode, and before that, All Things D, and before that wired and um it was just you know you start with small scoops and then people start noticing that you care about the same stuff and my um personal thing is just letting my id run wild into twitter all day long and like some people seem to respond to that other people think i'm crazy or awful but i think it's it it's not um I wouldn't call it a tactic, but it just seems to um, give people a more of an idea of who I am, even if they've never met me before, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that, um, that like, people respond to that. I think yeah. they just want to s- sort of, or at least the folks that I talk to can be like, oh, I know this guy, even though, like, I don't. I know that he just complains about his dog or, like, the poop on the streets or whatever, and I can tell him whatever, you know? So it's it's kind of helpful in that so, sense. So you get a lot of these, let's just say, and again um signal whatever you have signal open on your on your twitter profile yep um but you you get so many of these then what does the investigation process look like because i'm sure you get a lot of bullshit yeah yeah i mean it is the well i would say two things one i do get like bad tips or things that just don't pan out or people um trying to spread the other thing you have to use is just discretion over what is appropriate to report out or like just people trying to like shit talk someone else or whatever. Grind some axes. Yeah, totally. And then um, also like you can get just too much information. Like we, I, I can, there's just too many leads for me to chase and to, um, I have to sort of triage what I think is a reportable thing and what um, is realistic for me to do or if I need it to be a longer term project or if I'm working it with other people. So it's really just sort of, and thankfully I work on a team of like probably 15 or 20 people in the tech section of the time. So I can pass tips to other folks and whatever. So like, I mean, we're lucky to have that luxury. We actually have a team, but I think it's it's a lot of like managing and triage, you know. At this I, point. I asked a similar question to Kara, and I'll ask to you, and I'm very curious to hear your response. I won't tell you how she responded. Oh, yeah, tell go. me. Was a, <laughs> I'll tell you after. Okay. Um, what? W- how would you respond to someone who told you that? All right. I mean, of course, the Times is going to run negative coverage on Facebook constantly because of just naturally, there's an incentive for you to do so. You probably 
as a publication, it would be beneficial to have Facebook broken up because they control distribution. Mm. So what what would your response be to that? Like, to that sort of, I get that a lot actually. Like like you are obviously, um, like look, we're stealing or so a face. Sometimes Facebook employees like get actively angry at me and like yell at me in my DMs or whatever, which is fine. Like I'm here for your abuse, but I think it's like the thought process for them is. You know, you're writing things that get a lot of hate clicks or get a lot of like outlandish clicks, and and um, it's better for you guys to destroy us because we destroyed you first, right? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. like I totally get that thinking, and I think the it's fair to say that the backdrop to all of this is that publishing is sort of changing and crumbling around us as we try to work through it. Um, I don't. I mean, that's just not how. It's hard, and it's hard to like really argue against. Like that's not how we do things, you know. That's not how I approach a story. For me, it's more uh, my mandate is like, a, I'm the beat reporter for Facebook, so I just cover them anyway. But b, it's like, what is what is the story? What are people doing or talking about that is not out there, and what should be told? And it's likely not going to be positive a lot of the times, you know, because Facebook, I think did have a very positive upward trajectory for a very long time. And now not just them, but like everyone is sort of grappling with what the other side of, of uh, the largest network in the world can, can do, you know? So I think um, a lot of Facebook employees are getting defensive. And that's not to say that all coverage is equally good or valid. I think in any industry, there are people that are bad at their job. And so like, if I get something wrong or if someone's piece is entirely wrong, like we have to stay accountable for that. So <coughs> I totally am open to that too, but that's not how I think at least. It may be a, a bit of a shift in direction. Yeah. Do you like living in San Francisco? Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I don't like making a, a good amount of money and still feeling broke. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, um, it's different. I mean, I moved here in 2004 and then I've been here on and off since then. So it's been interesting to watch the change um, so far. Do you live in San Francisco proper? I do. I live in like the Castro DuBose Triangle area. Yeah. Do you think you're going to live here a decade from now? I, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I, don't, I can't see it just because. Um, Back to Texas or Florida? Yeah, probably not that either. <laughs> um, I I mean, uh, I think about this a lot. I um, I have a wife and a dog, and so uh, but we don't have kids. I'm 34. She's 30. Bruna, my dog, is four, and so um, that's our family. We live in a one bedroom. We have a deal for rent control, but it's still like not a deal literally anywhere else in the world or country. Um, there is a limit to which we can grow or change our lives and at some point um unless i go be like head of comms for uber or something <laughs> uh which will not happen but unless i went and did that and made some drastic changes in my lifestyle or whatever it's just there's not there's a point to which i either have to i don't know move to vallejo or move out of the city or something you know do you get uh asked to be you know uh, to join the private sector quite a lot and like sorry you're you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, to, yeah. To, yeah. To, to the other side. The other world. side is what I what I actually meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it'll come in. I actually, I mean, yeah, some people will make overtures or kind of like want to feel me out. And 
it sort of comes in waves. There was a while where a lot of journalists were getting hired as they call them. I think journalists have like a point of pride that they don't want to become PR. So they call them like marketing partners or something. Yeah. But you're basically PR, right? Which is fine. Like it's an entirely legitimate career path. You can do that. But I think it's just like a pride thing for journalists, you know? So you uh, wouldn't, you were not going to see you as a partner at a VC fund. Or... <laughs> I, I mean, I just don't. I'm I'm already like unhirable by my Twitter feed. <laughs> I'm surprised I still no, have a job. No, 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 no. I think clearly you, not. I think you're looking at this the completely <laughs> wrong way. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm I feel like I've insulted like every brand that would potentially. I don't know. I I I don't think I would do that. Is but, your book coming out before or after the Uber IPO? <laughs> Excuse me. Um. Well, you, here, why don't you tell, tell listeners a little bit about your upcoming book. How about that? Yeah, little, yeah, little yeah. Context. Um, So I started writing about Uber pretty much right after I got to the Times in 2014. And I feel super lucky for that. I was probably, it's, it was the middle of Uber's ascent, probably like the apex of its ascent because it was still on the rise. People sort of like nebulously thought Travis was a douche, but not like fully solid like everyone still was like uber's cool you know or like this is great i don't have to like wait for a taxi blah 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 um and then uh i got to cover it through the insane uh period of 2017 and that arc sort of changed and travis became this super controversial and um sorry and uh knocking things over oh you're good um uh interesting crazy flawed character and um I was he to... always that i mean it, like he clearly was always that but was it really hidden well or was it just like <laughs> the, the the exuberance of all the things that they were doing just kind of masked it i think um no oh, he's always been like that man like for years and years and years but he they were able to ride this sort of honestly it was like some of the vcs that talk about it was like it was the perfect product market fit like it hit at the right time everyone loved it yeah People still use it like crazy, even if they feel weird or something about it, you know. Um, but Travis, uh, it worked. I th- and, he, you know, some people argue he was the right CEO that had to go as far as he did until he no longer was the right CEO. And, like, you got to change from wartime to peacetime. Yeah. Yeah. And he had he only has one mode. That's what I have discovered over reporting. He he has one mode. Have you have you spent a lot of time with him? Uh, no, he's not a fan. <laughs> uh, so I mean, and I don't I don't know if that'll change. I just don't, I don't think he's going to talk to me. Huh. No, okay. So which is me... kind of fun anyway because you have to do your job around someone, which is its own challenge. Let me let me try to defend him a little bit do here. It. Okay, so. Uh, you you kind of need these mercurial personalities, right? I mean, you have you have him, you have Elon, you have yep. you have these these people who are just so insanely committed and driven to a mission and to build something like that. Maybe you need to be a little bit off. Not only that, but wouldn't you say that there is a little bit of a press halo around Lyft, for instance, and yeah. around Airbnb, which you know we just spoke to the SF city attorney about. And you know, sure, they've made some made made some changes, but they almost took a similar approach, which was, you know, blatant disregard for like. So, what what's yeah. your take on 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 that? I no, this is a great question, and I think actually, this is where I even kind of maybe defend Uber in a weird way. I think Uber became 
Uber and Travis became a symbol for a greater level of angst that people had towards tech in general and a lot of different tech companies. And um, and combine that with the anxiety folks had for the for Trump being elected and um, this sort of nebulous idea that Facebook maybe might have helped him get elected or tech might have like had something to do with it, but people were and we didn't and think remember late 2016 we didn't fully grasp what happened with russia what happened like did trump you know like everyone was still trying to figure this out and and the and this is a scene in my book like the the um uh the trump stuff gets melded together like almost by accident with um uber in this one moment where um uh, the immigration uh, shutdown happens, the travel ban, and someone notices this tweet saying, you know, Uber's trying to essentially profit off of people getting mm. uh, going to the airport. And the two become conflated in this moment. And I think it was just a lot of pent-up angst and anger from people um, kind of at tech but not really sure why. And then they were given um, a concrete action which is delete Uber, right? And people were like, fuck, I can't do anything. I'm angry. I'm sitting at home. There's this travel ban. What do I do? I could delete my Uber and then take a screenshot and post it. And then hundreds of thousands of people did that. And it hit the company hard. So I, I agree with you. It's not, I think it's wider than just them. Mm-hmm. Do you, uh, I'm kind of curious about Sunil's question and maybe we go back after that. Huh. Like you talk to and are around lots of CEOs for big, powerful companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they all have to be assholes? <laughs> um, I mean, that's another good question. I don't. I wouldn't say assholes. I think. Um, I think you have to be unf- unflinching in your drive and maybe even optimism that you can. Like, you have to be crazy to think you can do some of these things at the scale that they do them. Right. Like everything in a startup, and this is the empathy that I have for founders is. Everything in a startup is like designed for your failure, right? They're incumbents. Like this is why Travis. Travis hates taxi. Travis hates big government. And Uber was never was not always as big as it was, right? They have so much against them, and you have to believe that you can break up these cabals like slowly but surely over time. And that's why they hate people like me so much because I just see all the ways you're going to fail, or at least like see all the ways that this is probably not going to work out. So I do think. I wouldn't call it like asshole. You just sort of have to be like in an optimistic version of La La Land to think this is all going to work out. Do you think that they've turned it around uh, with a CEO change? Like, what's your view of Uber now? Um, yeah. Um, I mean, Dara. So Dara Kazashahi is the CEO. He came from Expedia. He got installed late last year, I guess. And he's definitely the right guy to take Uber public. And Uber going public is sort of this big moment for them because, you know, they've been private for nine years. There's a bunch of people who want to cash out. They want to just sort of, it's a big public market milestone anyway. And then like normal people can actually get in on this um, investment potentially. And Dara is like the adult in the room, quote unquote, and I think he actually is. Um, I mean, I don't, um, I don't want to. The hard part too is that he's very likable if you meet him, and you don't like you just sort of have to be careful of that because like, 
you know, whatever. They still have similar problems to whether Travis is there or not. You know, they still have. Oh, you're likable. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. I'm likable. Yeah, I gotta, okay, gotta be careful. Gotta be careful around this guy. That's nice of you to say. Like <laughs> yeah, you can get the vibe going. Like, I got it. <laughs> no, all right, I, like, I like you. Um, I think, uh, but no, that's there's. I think he'll get it across the finish line. It's more. It's more like, are the markets gonna be? receptive to this company and are people going to buy into ride sharing as a long-term investment is that the thread in your book uh is that is that the thread that pulls through the book i think it's more i think mine is if i have to i need to start like preparing how to do this in like an elevator pitch because i have to sell this. we're here for you here we go so not looking forward to marketing this book um uh my uh elevator pitch would just be the sort of um uh the rise and fall of the this idea of the cult of the founder and the founder knows all like i think this other thing in the valley is like founders are can do no wrong and know everything and are sort of praised by their boards by their investors and given all this leeway and zuckerberg for a very long time was like the 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 top example of that right and i feel like kalanick is the the what, the version of that going like drastically wrong when you know everything bad about capitalism silicon valley startups uh is is turned into one guy so i try to follow that arc so the after this cult of the founder is a pretty cult, awesome title cult of the founder there you go that is a good title. good good title for a podcast <laughs> yeah seriously there and then <laughs> then you get into podcasting yeah yeah you convert a bunch of founders into a cult <laughs> cult of the founder <laughs> Plural. <laughs> yeah, cult of the founders. Um, so you, uh, let's just say, you know, all right, you, you, you're satisfied. You're done with your work on Uber. You're done with your work on Facebook. Yep. What are the next two companies that you want you would want to cover mm. that you feel are drastically undercovered? That's a good question. I think um, I'm like, total, I mean, this is like my life shit, like, what do I want to do sort of thing? And I'm trying to figure that out too. I think Uber and Facebook are probably two of the most important companies right now. I think um, Amazon should probably get more scrutiny than it does just because um, it is so undergirded as a part of our life. And like now, I mean, I read a piece the other day about someone who tried to not use Amazon for a week or a month or something, and it was like impossible (laughs) or at least very difficult, right? And so I think the level of scrutiny that they get is kind of surface level because of how many things they have going on. But that would be, I don't know, you have to make that beat fun and interesting and maybe I could do that. That would be fun. Um, Seattle is not the funnest place in the world to live. You don't like Seattle? I lived I like there for a Seattle. long time. I lived there for it's, a really? It is lovely to visit. Like, it's awesome. Maybe that's why. I only visit. I dated yeah. someone there, and I would go, like, You're for like, a week at a time. This is awesome. Yeah. And then Cobain was here. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. 50 sunny days a year. Yeah, I would probably want to die. My wife's going to kick me when I say that. She's a <laughs> Seattle native. I'm like, wow. Where did you live in Seattle? Uh, a couple places. We were in uh, Queen Anne when I first oh, moved yeah. there, the south side of Queen Anne, back yeah. before it got all cleaned up, which was pretty cool, and then Capitol Hill. Oh man, um, Capitol is awesome. Yeah, today it's a little bit different now. We bought a, a condo way, way, way back in the day as we were kids, and we still have it. And it's oh. like the whole neighborhood is completely transformed. Do, do, yeah. Can't even recognize when we show up there. Like, what's like happened? the mission now? Basically, it's like just very different. Yeah, unbelievably different. And now there's it's like Amazonville. 
Back right. when it, it was in Amazonville, uh, Paul Allen had started to do some development work downtown. And he, he was like the, I'm the person who's thinking about like commercial real estate and people actually working and living here. And I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And he made all these investments that he never really got to appreciate. But uh, it's a, yeah. Uh, have fun living there. No, yeah, I, 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 uh, all all respect to our Seattle. I do want to go there. But, uh, <laughs> Thanks for walking me back on that. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's yeah, just, you just a personal lost a choice. Whole market. <laughs> it's just a personal choice. <laughs> Seattle's great, though. I make bad choices. It happened. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so you know, you're you're gonna release the book. The book is gonna come out. Uh, sorry, when uh, we we didn't get yeah, the, the yeah. Top part. Um, no, it's next year, probably. Um, around if not after the ipo i'm still it's sort of things are in motion right now (laughs) so it was the ipo actually came sooner than so they were supposed to ipo in september and they are going to be in like april so uh i'm as in flux as they are 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 people at uber worried about the book like do you get reached, (laughs) reached out to by the comms team there a lot or like what's the situation i think um hmm it's funny because like they um I have a good relationship with their comms in that they know I will not be unfair and like just set them on fire for no reason. <laughs> I might set them on fire for a reason, but uh I think uh they're probably like nervous but not like terrified. Like part of this whole last year was them sort of self-flagellating and coming clean with all their dirty laundry and being like we are sorry please forgive us dara is jesus you know come alive and everything is going to be great now so like unless i find some crazy dead body in the closet they even they missed um which i might have but like i think i think they're just sort of like trepidatious but not like terrified and are you going to take time off or are you gonna just hop back just jump back into it um to go like on the road or whatever with the book and stuff yeah so after after the book tour book sells a million copies or whatever it is then then what oh i don't know man i mean i honestly like i have no idea i have no idea if anyone's gonna want to read this i have no idea what's gonna happen i'm just like all i'm thinking about is to get it done get it out the door cover this ipo and then like i mean i literally live my life like one day at a time. I can barely get clothes on and come here. I, I don't even know how to He is wearing naked. clothes. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I am naked right now. Yeah. Yeah. First, first naked. This naked podcast podcast where we are in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I live in the Castro where now, before I moved here, like it would probably phase me to see naked people on the street. Now I'm just not at all. I'm a yeah. San Franciscan, I feel like. We've got three kids, and our youngest is 10 now. We used to live in Noe Valley, and we would walk through the park. <laughs> and uh, as we were walking through the park, like the the beach side of the park where everybody's out and their thongs kind of hanging out, we'd always like walk through the middle of it, not a big deal. And then there, for a while, there were a bunch of guys that were naked protesting on the corner of Market and um, what are the main drag there? Castro? Uh, Dolores. Oh, Dolores. Like, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Wait, wait. Uh, what are the streets on Dolores? It's happening. I can't remember things. That's what happens when you get old, Neil. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to happen to you. I someday. can't even remember our interviews this morning. Um, <laughs> and he uh, used to. He was like, Dad. All these naked people, they're everywhere. And now it doesn't even phase them. It's like, man, whatever. Doesn't matter. It's Jimmy. <laughs> other, other story. <laughs> um, so I, a couple of other questions to wrap up with. And uh, this has been great. 
uh, I, I asked this one to to Kara, and I'll, I'll also yeah, I'm not going to tell you the answer. <laughs> um, if you could interview th- any three people, they all agree to a, a sit down interview with you, and no no, uh, no questions off limits. Who would they be? Oof, I'm so bad at these. Mine would be like mine would be totally just for my own. Yeah, good. Yeah, That's totally. great. It would be. Um, you know George Saunders? Do you know the author George Saunders? He's so good. Um, he's probably my favorite living author right now. Or no, one of them. He writes, he wrote a book called, um, what is it, 10th of December, which was like a bunch of short stories. Anyway, that's my, I was an English major, so I love all that foofy shit. And then, uh, 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 I wouldn't want to do tech because I think I just have tech all the time. And yeah. like, I still get starstruck. I get starstruck by like real celebrities, like non, non-tech non people, you know, but like. Do people get starstruck by you, by, by oh the way? Oh God, I hope, I don't think so. I think like you could show more. up to a party or people like, oh, look, there's the New York Times reporter. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I think um, I'm like dumb enough in my like public personality that I I diffuse any mystique about me. I'm not but, starstruck uh, <laughs> right now at all. Yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> I'm, totally like, see, I'm like see, sweating. Right? My hands are sweating. <laughs> I'm shaking. Uh, I do get like random. I think that's the fun thing actually. Like I'll do get like random people to come say hi when I'm at dinner or something out here. But it's mostly my dog. Honestly, people care about my dog more than me. <laughs> I have a very large Bernese Mountain Dog that I use to pimp my work well you got two more uh people that you were supposed to and you're going full Uh, celebrity which is all cool no like hollywood celebrity probably be uh who am i like it would be some writer oh musicians musicians oh yeah okay you know what i'm big like josh homie fan from queens of the stone age yeah they're like super big fan of theirs and that, that would be one and then probably Oh man, maybe Trent Reznor would be a good one too. He's like very opinionated, but, very, uh, which mm. I like. Super outspoken. So not Trump, Chrissy Teigen, or Angela no, Merkel. No, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not into world leaders. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just I think I like. I would probably go the celebrity route. I'm, that's the other thing. So if I have to move out of here, everyone's moving to L.A. Should mm-hmm. I move to L.A.? That's yeah. The, question. the answer is yes. Is it? Yeah. I feel like there's haters here that'll be like, no, man. Well, that's Sunil, clearly. Did I lived in LA for a long time. time. Did you? Yeah. And? Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice. <laughs> LA's, LA's in a the commute. It's just uh, the traffic it's kills the driving. it. Well, like, the traffic better here. just kills it. Yep. You were you were like texting me this morning, I'm going to be late, I'm going to be late. I'm gonna... <laughs> the traffic here is miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but at least it's predictable. It's like there's the 101 and there's 280, that's it. There you got like 405, the, uh, 605. They're all miserable. 105. Every freeway you get on anywhere in California is miserable, period. <laughs> Yeah. End of story. Yeah. <laughs> LA is great. Great food scene. It's warm all the time. Yeah. They don't have any water. Like, that's all good. Hey, actually, you know what? Like I, I have a good. I have a good one here. <laughs> uh, I, we can't. We can't let Mike get away without answer. So, just pretend I'm Travis for a second. Let's roll. Play. <laughs> <laughs> Are you gonna throw uh, something? He sits down. He agrees <laughs> to an interview with oh, uh, say the Travis, book. Shouldn't I? Yeah, okay. Sorry. Let's just say he agrees. What is? the one question that you ask him. Oh, man. You have one question. You can sit down, put it on the record, in the book, and you need to know the answer to this. It would be probably simple. Just like, 
Do you have any regrets as to what you did, or would you change anything over 2017? Hmm. What's your answer, Travis? I'm not really going to answer it. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't actually going to role play. I thought you were really going to role play. No, I'm not going to really role play. Nah. I don't think he would. I don't think he does, though. I don't think. I feel like he would just keep maybe like some strategic stuff, but he like owns it, man. And there's something really this. I think he's this is why I decided to write about it. I think he's a tragic character. I think he's like a billionaire now, but he also kind of alienated himself. He doesn't really have a whole lot of friends. All the people at the top of the company turned on him at the end and like. It's the perfect sort of dramatic arc, but it's kind of lonely at the top in some ways, you know? So Yeah, it's lonely everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's lonely in the middle. It's lonely on Instagram. That's correct. That's correct. It's very lonely on Facebook. Lonely on Twitter. <laughs> so uh, this has been awesome. And we have one okay. question that we want to make sure you answer for all of our listeners um, that we ask everybody. You spend time on Twitter. We know that. <laughs> Maybe you spend place time on other social networks. On either Twitter or another social network, what's at least one person you'd recommend or company you'd recommend or brand you'd recommend following? I mean, so maybe I'll just do, because the origin of my, so on Twitter, my avatar is a toilet paper bear and uh, the Charmin bear. And um, I get asked. I'm going to admit that I didn't know that until just now. And I like a light bulb. Oh my God, just did you really? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I get it now. I get it. So there's <laughs> – that's great. Um, so this is not me officially endorsing a brand, by the way. I think I would get fired for that. But um, I would say the Charmin toilet paper handle on Twitter is one of my favorites. And I adopted that avatar just because it was the first time I ever saw, like, a brand that literally is just they have you have to like wipe your ass with their product fully embodying the spirit of it they would just make poop jokes all day on twitter and like they were not embarrassed and i just found that noble so charmin at charmin. i get it i just feel like i get it now <laughs> I, you get me right <laughs> i get it now i completely get it okay uh, uh well this was awesome <laughs> cool thank this you this was uh, this was great Thank you very much for spending the day with us. I know. This is fun. Thanks so much. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. Um, I, I'm just so surprised by how humble and how accessible Mike is. Yeah. Like, I want to hang out with him, and I also want to go adopt a Burmese mountain dog. I, I, I do, too. And, you know, I don't want to tell my daughters that because they're, they're going dog crazy right now. But I am excited to read Mike's book when it comes out. And maybe if you listen to the podcast and you liked it, uh, you might consider tweeting at Mike with your ideas for the title for his book. But I kind of like uh, Founder Cults. <laughs> Founder Cults would be a great name for this one. We really hope you enjoyed this interview. And uh, please support us by tweeting us at the bold italic or emailing us at info at the bold italic.com. You know, I always like to end on this too. If you like Sunil as much as I like Sunil, wherever you listen to this podcast, whatever app you found it on, if you rate us five stars and share it out with your friends, it actually helps the podcast a lot.